0: I'm Cottle Summers
1: and I'm Gerget Lane,
0: your Chagas Sustainability Advisors, and you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 41, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability.
1: As we are in the middle of Signpost Sustainability Week 2022, it's important for farmers to hear how our signpost farmers are working with advisors on the programme and implementing new technologies.
0: Today, we're going to chat to Trevor Boland who is a signpost farmer in Sligo, and his future beef programme advisor, Gabriel Trayers, about the steps Trevor is taking to reduce his greenhouse gas emissions and improve sustainability on the farm.
1: Trevor and Gabriel, you're very welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Trevor, can you tell me a little bit about your background and your involvement in the signpost programme?
2: Yeah, so I'm a suckler and beef farmer here in uh, Sligo. In West Sligo, I'm farming about 50 suckler cows and I also buy in some um, uh, Angus and herd for type heifers to finish off grass at about 20 months of age. The bulls from the suckler herd are sold uh, to a beef finisher at about a year old and the heifers I either bring to finish myself or uh, they're kept for breeding on my own farm. An odd heifer is sold for breeding on other farms. Uh, In terms of the future, Farm Programme. Uh, I've been following the, the previous version, the Better Farm Programme for a good number of years, and I liked what was involved in terms of um, the actions and goals that were set on farms and, and the measuring that was done on farms and targets that was put in on farms to improve the overall profitability of farms. And I suppose coming from an accountancy background, uh, which is your farm job, um, I like that, seeing an improvement in the performance and particularly the, the profitability and financial performance of farms. And I believe it's very important farmers are benchmarking their own farm against other similar type systems or farms in their own region. Um, and just to get an idea of where they're going with their farm and that they are improving the financial performance of their farm year on year. So
1: some of the efficiencies and the vision of the program are going to help you, you know, to reduce your, the amount of work you have to do?
2: Well, yes. So even in terms of some of the environmental actions that we're hearing more and more about now, like your protected urea, uh, your clover, like, while sometimes they might seem like a cost, actually, once you implement these actions, they will improve the financial performance of the farm. They'll actually reduce costs and improve performance of animals, which lead to a better um, overall profitability on the, on the farm overall.
1: And what's the availability like of protected urea up the west? I'm from Roscommon myself and I know some farmers have indicated, my brother and other people have indicated, it's difficult to get it at certain times of the year.
2: That's definitely an issue. Um At times, you know, you send a contractor to the store, you tell him you want to put out protected urea and you get the phone call to say that it's not available and it'll be a number of weeks before it's going to be available. So that's I suppose that's not really helping what we want to do in terms of we always want to use, put out the protected urea. But if it's not available at the time you want to put it out, then you're just going to have to go with another product. And um, so we definitely need to see an improvement there in the availability of supply, um, particularly of protected urea around the west and northwest.
0: Trevor, sure, before we dig into, I suppose, the, the the mitigation or the actions you're carrying out the program, you just mentioned there you're working, are you working a full-time job as well as farming, you are?
2: Yeah, I'm working full-time uh, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. It uh, can be a bit longer than that at times, particularly this time of year. But uh, yeah, so farming is, is in the mornings before I go to work, in the evenings, and then Saturdays and a couple hours on a Sunday morning. Um, I suppose when people ask me, you know, wh- how do you manage to fit it all in? It's very much having a simple system. Um, not changing system year to year. It's a system I've been in. I, it's, autumn, it's an autumn cabin herd. Uh, I use mainly AI, so I try to calve all the cows from August through to September, and as little as possible in October. I've finished by the 31st of October. I start my, my breeding on the 15th of October. Um, so the idea is, is a, a, a nice, compact cabin, getting a live calf on the ground, all the cows calve outside, and then you have a, an even batch of animals during the year. As I say, the bulls are brought to... About a year old, so June, July, I sell the bulls. And the heifers then, I can winter the heifers myself, but it's, it's about having a simple system to suit your farm. An autumn cabin suits me uh, and the, the type of stock I want to produce and the system that I, I feel I, I've been doing the last number of years and improving on every year.
0: We, we couldn't have picked the worst time then to bring in for a chat in the podcast. the a high-tier cabin season. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. It's, it's settled off now at this stage where uh, the first weeks of August is when I'm really busy. Uh, well, when I say really busy, to be honest, I'm, I'm working and the cows are calving away at home on their own. Um, now, somebody will look in on them during the day. I'm not too far away from home anyways. I'm 15 minutes from home so I can hop home if there is a problem with a cow. But generally, the cows will all calve themselves outside and the calf gets up and sucks. Um, and to me, it, it's a good system.
0: That's the way you want it. Tell me this, you're part of the Signpost programme and look, as part of the programme, we're trying to achieve reduced gaseous emissions, better water quality, improved biodiversity. What, what steps have you taken on the farm yourself since you are in the program or even before you got into it?
2: Um, well, I suppose one of the systems I was always practicing there was uh, having a good grassland managing, management on the farm in terms of paddocks, uh, number of stock I have on the farm, limited number of stock. Uh, I'm grass measuring on a weekly basis for a good number of years now. And I suppose something simple that I've put in over the last number of years is I've fenced off a uh, water course that's running through the farm and put in uh, a solar power pump system that pumps water out of the river up to the water truss, which allows me to divide up the farm better and, and make better use of, of grass on that particular block.
0: Any grants on that, actually, Trevor, on the solar pump? Or did you have uh, to, out of your pocket, was it?
2: Yeah, at the time it was. Now, I believe there there may be grants coming for it, but at the time I bought it, there was no grant. Yeah, and I suppose yeah. it's, it's coming down the line where there'll be eventually, a, uh, we won't be allowed cattle in across rivers or have a drinking point particularly on rivers so i saw that that's coming down the line and i i to get ahead of that and and get the, the water pump in and a lot of people actually ask me about it and because they can see it and I, I tell them i'm really happy with it it's putting a good flow of water out to the water trough and um and as i say you can divide up your farm and manage it better from a grass point of view
0: and I suppose there's a big push now on trying to reduce nitrogen and we're trying to reduce our light, the likes of nitrous oxide losses I presume your land can be heavy enough at at times so we could be prone to that kind of emissions. But how, how are you getting on with clover establishment and what's, what's your, I suppose, experience of clover?
2: I suppose in terms of west of Ireland land, I wouldn't be too bad. Now, it's a bit like everyone, we have soft spots and, and heavy ground but generally it would be, I suppose, considered fairly good ground um clover yeah so i'm into my second year of putting in clover i'm noticing a lot more clover in the farm but maybe i'm looking for it a bit more but there is there is more clover on the farm um in particular last year um 2021 the amount of fertilizer i put out on on the block where i i did a good good bit of clover uh the amount of artificial fertilizer i put out was minimal and i was running you know a a high stocking rate on that on that block of ground and so I I'm assuming it was the clover that was pushing the grass on, and even late into the year I I was able to keep stock out in it because there was grass still growing late on the later into the year on on that block of ground.
0: How did you, how did you establish Trevor? How did you sow it?
2: So just oversown Um, it's it's part of a bit of work I'm doing there with uh, Chagas, and I know you're down in uh Wexford or Cahilland as I pointed out one time, uh, Johnstown Castle in Wexford is nearer to Cardiff than it is to Sligo. So I'm doing the trial. I'm doing the trial up here for the, the people of the West and the Northwest. Um, it's, it's very simple. It's, it's an oversaw system. So you, you graze out the paddock as tight as possible and you go, you go in after the cattle are gone out of it and you oversaw your clover with a, a fairly simple machine. I, I'm not too mechanically minded. So it's, it's a machine goes in the back of the tractor and throws out the little clover seed. And that's basically it, and and you let the clover establish there. So you try to get it as tight as possible. The grass grazed down as tight as possible, and oversaw your clover after that.
1: So Gabriel, um, Trevor's been very successful, extremely successful in winning farming awards in the recent past. So he's won the Stuckler Section of the Grassland Farmer of the Year in two thousand and nineteen, and the Smart Farming Prize. I think he made a promise that some of his winnings that go through um go towards say, soil sampling and correcting his pH and nutrient management planning. So has all of those um, been put in place on the farm?
3: Yeah, it has. And, and like an, every farmer that's in the Future bee Programme uh, and the 22 nationally, uh, I think the first step is to take soil samples. And um, the NMP plan has done, and I suppose it has highlighted... Uh, some areas of concern in ways for for Trevor that the P's and K's are are low, so they will have to be targeted. And I've talked to Trevor about this, and he's been trying to switch it over from straight nitrogens over to kind of eighteen six twelve, the 10, and twenty. And particularly, you mentioned clover there. If 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 more clover is going to be a success, it's awful important that we have the proper indices. So. I think the big focus for, for Trevor going forward is to focus on his improving his soil fertility. Lime is his pHs are quite good. I think he only needs eighty ton of lime um over the course of the over the five years of the programme. So maybe we'll be getting that lime out as early as possible to get the benefit from it, you know. So uh NP plan is a big part of it. Um also we will be developing farm plans for Trevor to see where he is now, where he's where he wants to be in five years' time. And I think he's outlined that at the start. I suppose in fairness to uh trevor he he was on the technical path when it comes to farming he he has a lot of it achieved already and i suppose it's just a matter of making small changes now to to bring him to the next step
0: trevor just come back you mentioned i suppose your 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 day job as an accountancy and you love obviously figures and numbers um and farming obviously because you're working every hour god sends i'd say by the sounds of things at the moment but how how do you apply that, that, that I suppose, your knowledge from your day job to your, to your you mentioned metrics and measuring and grass and stuff. Tell us a bit about that.
2: Yeah, so I suppose um, a lot of what I would do, both uh, in terms of farming and, and the job, would be uh, spreadsheets. And so I'd be I'd be very much into recording what's going on in the farm day to day. Um, so, if, for example, I was mentioned there about my soil sample results. I would have all my soil sample results plugged into an Excel spreadsheet to to see the trend and where I'm going. And while they're, they're low and it's very hard to improve, particularly the P index, I feel it is going in the right direction. As Gabriel says here, my, my pH is good. So I'm monitoring that over the last five, six years to see how that's running. Um, another one I'd, I'd be recording a lot of would be uh, weight gain. So I'd be regularly weighing the stock, uh, including the cows, just to, to see and monitor the performance of the cows. So, For an autumn calving herd, you don't want the cows to lose too much condition over the winter pit. So it's important to weigh them when they're going into the shed and then weigh them maybe uh, a month or two months later to see that they're not losing condition to make sure to go back in calf for you. And then it's very important that your calves are are gaining weight over the winter. So again, I would have maybe 10, 12 years data recorded to see how my whalings are performing year to year. If they have a good year, why was that a particularly good year? Was there something I did in terms of dosing or something? Or if they're not performing at the moment, like I suppose the, the way to look at it is it's too late the day you go out to the march or the day you slaughter your animals to see that the performance has been poor. You need to be monitoring all the way along. And if an animal isn't performing over a month or two month basis, there may be a, a, a disease issue there or, or maybe just your grass isn't good enough under them. And uh, and I suppose even something like this year, I, I saw that the, the bulls weren't maybe performing as good as they should be and once to put them on to some good quality aftergrass, they really took off. But you wouldn't necessarily notice that by just looking at them. So it's important that you that you weigh the animals, record the data, and, and analyse the data then that you're getting. So everything from the, the day the calf is born, I'm measuring the calf at birth, I'm weighing as many calves as possible, feeding all that information into ICBF. And then what I'm getting out of that then is, is good data back and reliability on my say says the Eurostar replacement index. So that I know that if a cow is a five star cow, there's a reason for her being a five star cow is generally to do with she's gone back in calf and she's doing a good job in her calf all the way through to slaughter.
3: And if we could jump in there, Con, if you didn't mind, we'll say just on the grass measurement. Um like the target is to grow a tin ton of grass uh, under the grass tin program we'll say, and, and uh, Trevor's already achieved that for the year to date, so and he's over twenty measures done. Um so as part of the program uh Trevor has to record or grass measure on Pasture Base Ireland and he's doing that on a weekly basis as well which helps him make decisions about grassland management on the farm as well. So again, it's another metric that needs to be done um, for gross grassland management. Yeah,
1: He's reduced the amount of nitrogen he's using and he's introduced clover and he's still getting his 10 tonnes of grass so that's yeah. a very good indicator of what's what is going on on the farm, isn't very it? Go,
3: very good indicator, and I think he can grow more if he gets in. If the indexes uh, will improve, um, he'll be able to grow more. And you know, it's all about management. He has a brilliant infrastructure in place. Joe you know, grazes out the paddocks in uh, three days, grows them in three weeks. So he's 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 hitting all those targets there when it comes to to grassland management, and. Um, it's something you're interested in yourself, Carl, too, isn't it, really? You know,
0: it is. Look, I, I, you're right. really both of you have to hit the nail in the head there today because I, I think we'd often talk to farmers about if, if you're growing clover, Trevor, you're growing clover, you want to reduce nitrogen because there's no point in putting nitrogen on nitrogen. But unless you're measuring grass, it's very hard for you to make the decision whether, whether, you know, that reduction in nitrogen is affecting you or not. So at least you, you can be proactive rather than reactive.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's also helping your live weight gains as well, which is a, you know it's what you want that's that's the outcome that you, you know in, in the final outcome so gabriel can you tell us a little bit about the option to move from three-year-old calving to two-year-old calving and where trevor is at with this at the moment
3: yeah and it's probably another focus area we will have for trevor and and for all farmers in the group um in the program i should say that that to try and get more calve to try and get more heifers calved at two years of age it's it's there's a bit of a myth we'll say among suckler farmers that this cannot be done, um, but we'll say and in terms of, of profitability and reducing carbon footprint, it has has massive, uh, implications. We'll say on a on a forty cow herd, if you can have all your replacement heifers at two years of age, you can increase your net profit by four and a half thousand, while reducing your carbon footprint by uh twelve percent, which is almost half. Uh, the requirement under, for Irish farmers at 25%. So uh, it's a win-win for both. And I suppose it's all about educating farmers uh, to, to try and adopt, uh, to try and drop more two-year-old calving. Uh, and I suppose the reason why they don't, that there's a lot of myths out there that will say that that if you calve at two years of age, um, the, the heifer won't be big enough to calve. She's going to have a lot of problem calving uh, and won't go back and calf or won't reach a mature weight. And, I suppose we have a series of workshops coming up now as part of the future beef program right across the country, where we'll be helping to dispel dispel those myths and maybe uh, educate farmers through these workshops on how to manage the heifer so that that those things won't happen and that that uh, those heifers will grow into a mature cow. Um, and and we'll have long longevity in the herd, and we'd have guys in the program there that all of the cows would have calved at two years of age, and they're in their six, seven, eight parities now at this stage. So again, I think it's a it's a big win from the environment and a big win from from a profitability point of view on 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 uh, on these farms. But it's it can be a hard sell, and, and these workshops will hopefully help to do to, to to educate farmers that this is the way to go. You know.
1: A bit of education and some behavioural change, and
3: exactly, and change is hard, you know, and yeah. and um, but if if as I said, if if they can, are not these workshops, it'll be the farmer that, that is doing a good job on it, and it is working on their farms. It's kind of peer to peer learning. Um, if if they're going to tell the story, and if it works on a farm, he will listen better from another farmer, and and hopefully um, get get that story proper.
0: Gabriel, okay, where can farmers hear about those workshops or where where can they get the information?
3: Yeah, the, the workshops, the first one is starting actually in October, the twentieth down in Ken Gill's farm in Derry County Offaly. We've actually won not far away in the West on the 28th of October at Michael Biggins's, but there's a range arranged them across the country, so they'll be all advertised on Chakas.e, they'll be on the Chagas Facebook page and Twitter as well.
0: Yeah, and I noticed that since COVID finished, there's real hunger for information. So definitely encourage people to go and attend as many of those as, as they can
3: absolutely and, and we're trying to target farmers that that haven't done it before Do you know the farmers that are doing it will probably uh they're doing it but like farmers that that want to try it uh, want to be more profitable the those are the farmers that we want to try and get to those workshops
0: yeah uh trevor well just to finish up uh, gabriel mentioned behavior change and, and attitudes to change our second one we know that's a difficult one because none of us likes to change anything we're doing we like to kind of continue the same route because change means um, we have to actually study things and look into things a bit differently. But as part of the signpost programme, you've met a lot of farmers now involved in that programme as well. What's it like to see the the different attitudes or ideas within the farmers or even beyond in your discussion groups or beyond? What's, what's the attitudes like on the ground?
2: Well, I suppose that's one of the big benefits of being in the Future Beef Signpost programme is um, you get to meet a range of farmers, maybe practicing different systems, but from a, a wider area than you might normally meet um so what i what i would pick up from it is if i go to a farm and see them doing a good job on something like two-year-old calvin or perhaps finishing uh bulls off a suckler farm or um just uh, there'll be some tip that you can pick up on every farm that you can go to and if you can bring two or three of them actions back to your own farm and then improve your own setup year on year that's what i'd be able to get out of it um like the, the attitudes and, and the advice that we're getting, it's all, it's all positive and it's all seeking to, to basically improve the profitability of suckler farmers. That then that, that farm in that region can then spread, spread that word to other similar type farmers and that you bring in your, your local discussion group onto that farm and see how these practices, as Gabriel says, are maybe discussing a cabinet at two-year-old uh, producing bull beef grass measuring, uh, use of protected urea, clover, soil sampling, silage sampling, dung sampling, all that sort of thing that you can bring two or three of them items back to your own farm and improve your own farm year on year.
0: If you could give one piece of advice to farmers, the general farm that's not in those type of programs.
2: Uh, I suppose my particular advice would be that uh, generally as farmers we need to improve our grass management, excuse me, our grassland management. So whether that's uh, getting a few extra water troughs into a field, dividing up a field, making better use out of grass. And the reason I say that is particularly at the times we're in, in terms of high cost of fertilizer, high cost of meal, um, generally the high, high cost of all, everything, all inputs into, into farming. that we need to make as much use as possible out of grass, uh, the cheapest feed available to our animals, uh, which will improve the performance of the animals, improve the weight gain, and overall, lead to a, a more profitable farm. And if we can do all that in a more environmentally sustainable way, all the better.
3: And if I could just comment on that Kyle question as well, like, I just encourage farmers to go. There's a lot of information out there, a lot of farm walks, a lot of discussion groups, maybe become a member of a discussion group. And Joe, and, you know, changes. That you make on your farm don't have to be massive they could be just uh, a divide in the field with an electric a reel and pigtails or are maybe changing some practice when it comes to managing circular clouds you don't have to make massive changes but small changes when they cumulatively are add up together can make a big um improvement in your profitability and maybe even your workload like as, as trevor said at the start he's a full-time job but he uses a lot of technology since hubs will say uh, he has a good cabin camera so all these aids make Uh, the work-life balance a bit better as well when it comes to off-farm work and farming.
0: Oh, that's super, super advice, Gabriel. Um, Look, lads, we'll finish up there and just look, Trevor, thanks a million for taking the time out today because I know you're extremely busy. So really appreciate it. And Gabriel, same thing as well. Super advice today and really enjoyed the chat today and really appreciate you
3: coming on. Thanks a million.
1: Thank you very much.
3: No problem, lads. Thanks, Jira. Thanks very
1: much. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Trevor Boland and his Future Beef Programme Advisor, Gabriel Trayers, for joining us on the show.
0: Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google podcasts, as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Kahal Summers.
1: And I'm Jurgit Len.
0: Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability.